0: Hello and welcome. This is The Real Football Podcast. I'm your host Lenny aka Leonidas. This is Sparta and let's get into it. On today's episode we're going to be recapping the big big games, the teams involved in what I perceive, I believe the teams who are going to be involved in the title race at the tail end of the season in the Premier League. Their games from last week, one game from today. And let's get into it. Um, Beginning with Manchester City, they're about to kick off now. It's a little bit of a strange episode. Forgive me, I did not get this episode off in time. But the, the match day has already started and Liverpool have already played. So I will update on them. They played against Wolves as well as Aston Villa last week at Anfield. Uh, but beginning with Manchester City, this game up against Fulham. So they're playing right now against West Ham I believe they're about to kick off right now however last week really really scary stuff this is very scary stuff I don't like to see this um reason being is that a city this was up against a really plucky Fulham team Fulham have a lot of energy they if they get on top of you especially with their physicality with their energy with their intensity there's Fulham There's a good group of teams in the Premier League who play like this, who when they get going, they can really, really cause a lot of problems for teams. I I throw Nottingham Forest in there. I throw Aston Villa in there. I throw uh, Crystal Palace in there. A lot of those mid-table teams, Brighton as well, who I wax lyrical about Brighton. fulham are in that in that group of teams where if if they get on top of you if they can uh, exert themselves on the on the play uh, on the game then they they will cause you a lot of problems and fulham are one of those teams and this is what manchester city found uh, up against uh, right before the international break so they started extremely sloppy many misplaced passes they couldn't test the keep in the first 25 minutes and with these sorts of teams, uh, that, that mid-table crop, if, if you do not exert yourself and impose your will early in the game and they gain confidence, it's going to be a problem. I throw West Ham in there as well. Chelsea found out uh, recently. Uh, <laughs> actually, I throw Chelsea in that conversation as well uh, at this moment in time because they're a mid-table team as we speak um, based upon their finish last season. But City being City, though, best team in the world, they know how to handle this kind of situation. They've handled it season in, season out. They've won the Premier League three seasons in a row. So they know how to handle these sorts of teams. They just keep the ball and keep grinding a team down with their passing. And they know that, okay, the system... Works and even if the system isn't better, if even if the tactics aren't necessarily better, they have better players. So they usually find a way and they found a way in this game. Uh, Erling Haaland supplying the assist to Julian Alvarez to open the scoring. Uh, and about a minute later, very, very soon after that, uh, Tim Ream shout out uh, Mr. USA he equalized from a corner it was just instantaneous and you thought okay fulham have started this game while well. they have control well they've they've kept city from score from creating a lot of chances so maybe they can hold on but you knew if if city score even just one more goal the game's done because because a lot of the time these these teams they only have two goals in the max one or two goals and, and that's it uh, and then not too long after that uh before halftime Nathan Ake scored I mean this one was a little bit controversial it wasn't controversial considering the end score of the game but for me it was it, it was some bullshit uh Akanji's literally jumping over the ball even though he's not necessarily in the keeper's line of sight uh he's affecting the play because he's jumping over the ball and he's in an offside position. So I think that should have been offside. I believe uh, after the game, Erling Haaland came out and it's like, Hey, if that happened against us, I'd be pretty touched too. So, it's understandable it, it was some bullshit but hey you know we we all get fucked over by the refs every once in a while S- coming from a liverpool supporter you know how that goes i'm pretty sure arsenal supporters have an infinite number of stories too so hey we all get fucked over every once in a while tough luck for Fulham. they go into the break two one down and there's there's only one outcome after that uh they have to play a little bit more uh, offensively they have to come out and and do something and they they got their asses whooped uh erling Haaland ends up scoring a hat trick in the second half a second half hat trick his fifth hat trick in only 39 premier league games that's ridiculous think about this think about how ridiculous this is this guy he scores if you only count the hat trick goals that he scored so he scored five hat tricks in 39 games that's 15 premier league goals in 39 games if Let's say, for example, Hoyland or Darwin Nunez or one of these guys um, who came to a, who moved to a big Premier League team recently scores fifteen goals in thirty nine games. You are like, that's a good return. Erling Haaland has done that in f- five games worth of Premier League uh, action. So. This is how ridiculous of a goal scoring level that this kid is on. And if he continues and he has he definitely has the right mentality, he was the final piece in the jigsaw, in the Champions League jigsaw puzzle for, for Manchester City. And he has been absolutely electric. He's taken the Premier League by storm, much like I predicted. It, it's a big problem. Um but here's the worst part about all of this if you are a non-Manchester City supporter. So the fact that Man City can play terribly in the first half, I think they were really, really poor in the first half of this game. They obviously played light out in the second half once Fulham's head started to drop and they broke their willpower. They played extremely poorly for the entire first half and they end up going in one, 2 one up, one goal up, even though they conceded a poor goal from a set piece, even though they didn't have a shot on target for the first 25 minutes, they still end up winning the game 5-1. Just absolutely, it it does not bode well for any team trying to catch these guys. I do think that a, a team is going to catch these guys, but it kind of tells us that if they continue like this and if teams kind of crumble under the weight uh, i guess at the etihad stadium it's the toughest stadium to play at in the world right now if teams continue to crumble especially those mid-table teams that mid-table crop of teams who can overwhelm a top six team on their day if city continue to get results like this 15 games or so it's going to take 95 plus points again to beat these guys last season was I can't even say it was their off season because they won the league with two games to spare. And if they needed, they would have won those two games and they would have gotten what 95 points. So it's going to take a team to get 95 plus points again to beat these guys. Can Arsenal do it? I don't know. Have they improved enough to get 11 plus points on last season? Declan Rice, I believe adds at least eight points. Um, their experience will add in a few more points, but who knows, who knows, uh, that that's going to be something to continue to watch. If these sorts of results continue as the season goes on, if city can continue to just blow past teams, even when they aren't playing particularly well, that that's very concerning for me. It should be concerning for the rest of the league. It's the reason why they've run, won the league three times in a row. Uh, they are playing against West Ham. I'm pretty sure the game has kicked off now. It's the first couple of minutes. I'm currently, as I am recording, I am watching the Man United versus Brighton game. I think this is the most interesting uh, matchup, most interesting game right now in this uh, 9 a.m. in terms of uh, U.S. Central Time match matches. Uh, this time slot, Man United versus Brighton. Uh, at Old Trafford. Reason being is United have had probably one of the worst possible international breaks that you could possibly get. Now, any loss sucks. A loss is terrible. A loss is a crisis at certain clubs. Um, speaking about a Real Madrid, a Bayern Munich, if you lose two games, it's the end of the world and people are talking about sack the manager. United used to be on that level. They aren't anymore, But this has got to be up there with one of the worst uh, international breaks that they've had for a very long time. Um, reason being is they closed out the, uh, the, well, they opened the international break with a game against Arsenal at the Emirates. Really, it wasn't as good of a game as I was hoping. United didn't play extremely expensive football. Uh, Arsenal completely dominated the game. Uh, but there was no real rhythm in the game. There was no real flow. It wasn't a great watch for the majority of the game. Arsenal dominated. Let's be, uh, as you would expect, United since, oh, uh, geez, maybe even Louis Van Gaal days. They, every single big game that they play, they sit back. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time they played a Manchester City or something and tried to match them toe to toe. Uh they've they been they've been that team for a very long time. And so it's kind of in their DNA in the past seven, eight years right now, whereby every single big game talks, top six team that they play, they play on the counter-attack. And that's the exact same thing that they did here up against Arsenal. And it's been somewhat successful. I mean, Oli had a lot of, uh, a lot of, Joy, a lot of success playing that style. Uh, Jose Mourinho as well he wins against Man City, wins against Liverpool from time to time. Uh, that's that's a couple years ago though. We we've been smacking them around recently. <laughs> Shout out to you seven nil uh, every single time. I'll, I'll bring it up as often as I possibly can, um, and but not Arsenal. Arsenal, especially at the Emirates, they have, they've beaten United a lot of seasons in a row. Uh, I believe United's last win there was something like 2017. So Arsenal have, have figured out how to beat them, especially at home. However, the same old formula worked for for United to open the scoring. A gorgeous interplay off of the counter-attack from Christian Eriksen, who I believe will have a big say. He was really, really impressive to me last season, especially considering his, uh, that terrible, terrible, um, I believe it was a, a, I don't know the exact term, but it was something awful. Uh, He essentially died medically was pronounced dead on the pitch it it was just awful scenes at the euros a couple years ago it's great to see him back i don't like the fact that he's playing well for united but hey shout out to him regardless as a human being he plays a beautiful little pass um to rashford and rashford being rashford pace merchant cut inside finish it, we've seen him do it a lot he he was absolutely in peak form last season it's gonna be we're gonna have to see if he can replicate that kind of form this season especially considering how disharmonious uh, I don't know if that's a, a word but how how little harmony and uh, uh, United just looked like a mess, but uh, let's continue with the game and then I'll get into a lot of the off-field shenanigans going on there. Um, So United did open the scoring and not a minute later, Arsenal, they just upped their game about 3% and bada bing, bada boom, Captain Fantastic, Martin Odegaard steps up and slots it home. Uh, I was watching this game at Finn McCool's. Shout out to them again. If you are ever catching a Premier League game, or even a rugby game uh, in New Orleans. Shout out to Finn McCool's. Check them out. Uh, Really, really good sports bar in general. I was at the game, massive Arsenal contingent, not too many United supporters, and they went off when Captain Fantastic scored that goal. Uh, As as the rest of the game continued, there was, it, it wasn't too... Eventful. There weren't too many great open chances, especially with United just trying to contain. They seemed as though they were quite content with the draw. Uh, Arsenal obviously uh, played far more expansively as you would expect of title contenders, uh, of the home team, of an Arsenal team, of an Arteta team. So they dominated the play. Um, they didn't create too many open chances that I can remember. However in about the 80th minutes 88th minutes oh there was a massive scare a massive scare and it it looked like it could have been a straight up smash and grab where garnacho with the most marginal offside that you will ever see uh he he finds himself free uh and he slots it home and the went quiet i was a little bit stunned because i walked in and every single arsenal supporter who i saw i was like you guys should whoop their ass today because united were playing really poorly and the way that they played the game uh really influenced that that decision for me however it was called offside The sighs of relief were palpable. There was something like 11 minutes of uh, extra time added on, a lot of stoppages, just not a great game, not a great watch. However, Arsenal, they did find the winner, the go-ahead goal from a corner. Declan Rice finds himself in acres of space. There were a couple of deflections, but he, he scores it. This is why this guy, he he steps up in the big moment right then and there when Arsenal needed those three points because uh, dropping points at home two weekends in a row would have been awful. Obviously, they dropped points to a 10-man Fulham the week before. So they really needed these three points, especially against, I can't say a historic rival, but it's a massive rivalry. Arsenal versus United, the rivalry of the 2000s, of course. Uh, getting that goal, and then not too long after that, Gabriel Jesus, as United threw men forward, Gabriel Jesus finds himself in acres of space. He sits down, a man, and he puts it home. 3-1 to Arsenal, great win for them. They're absolutely flying, going into the international break, and they're only two points off of City. On the other side of the coin, though, United it's a loss 90th minute loss up against arsenal a team who they've watched surpass them for a long time arsenal were not in the champions league and then bada bing bada boom they finished second and now united are just a mess obviously a very very sour taste but off-field shenanigans anthony who i've slated quite a bit i still don't see what he offers united going forward um in terms of offensively not not going forward in terms of the future but also in terms of the future i don't see what he offers united uh, he just he has allegations of sexual assault it's just a mess from his girlfriend a couple of other accusers just terrible stuff so he's not in the team right now he probably won't be in the team for a little while longer as those investigations take place United doing their own internal investigation and investigation in Brazil as well as something of the sort so it's it's a bit of a mess there uh and then kind of unexpectedly Jaden Sancho as well uh who has been really poor I rated this guy extremely highly I watched quite a few of his Dortmund games his his link-up play with Erling Haaland was magnificent. I think he had, he was a top five assister in the season before he went to United. So this guy had huge, huge expectation going to uh, uh, Old Trafford. He's been a known uh, a known quantity, a known talent since he left Manchester City to find first team minutes at Dortmund. He gets to Dortmund, he kicks Pulisic out of the team immediately and he's the guy there uh and he looked like one of the best wingers or young wing talents on earth and I really really wanted him to come to Liverpool he obviously did not he went to United and it seems like it's gone really really sour for him last season he was poor he just and then Eric Ten Hag very nicely of him gave him some time off for a couple of months to go find himself to work on his mental health so on and so forth uh, which is what you expect from great man management he lets him come back into the team no real impact on his performances you're thinking okay maybe second season he'll kick on from here so on and so forth and he just hasn't he hasn't and there was a bit of a public falling out eric Ten Hag called him out in public not viciously or anything he didn't say he's super lazy or anything he just said hey i want more from this kid in training any mentally healthy uh uh professional footballer with without a petulant attitude takes those statements internalizes them says hey the guy who picks the team tells me that hey i need to work harder in training that's what i gotta do what does this guy do Jaden, Jaden, Jaden. Oh my goodness gracious me. He comes along and he starts talking shit on Twitter. Uh, That's a one-way street out of the team for the foreseeable future. And as of right now, he's been training with the reserves, training with the academy team because ten hog ain't having that shit we've seen with ten hog when it comes to disciplinary issues he he's just he's just not having it he doesn't have any time for any of that and i really really respect that i think that's what you need from a great manager um you get that from pretty much any great manager we saw it with pep last season jean cancello you want to go get the fuck out of here we're gonna win the treble without you uh and we've seen it with ten Hag before rashford out of the team he was a couple minutes late to a team meeting he was their best player in his purple patch of form he kicks him out right out of the, out of the team and rashford came out and was like hey that's fair harry Maguire. well harry Maguire didn't have any disciplinary issues so no no question about that but cristiano ronaldo obviously the big headline stealing situation where the manager laid down the law and obviously an underperforming Jaden Sancho is not going to have that kind of pull it seems as though his career at United is done it's game over he they're, they're going to try and offload him in January there were talks of Saudi <laughs> I mean this guy going from one of the most talented wingers producing numbers on numbers he had so many goals and so many assists Uh, i want to say over 20 in each category but that might not be true so don't quote me on that but it's kind of a shame to see that and it's a shame to see how many footballers have gone to united oh no actually it's not a shame at all it's a shame for them personally but why would you choose old trafford they're a mess. Their stadium is falling apart. There's issues with the ownership. There's been issues with the ownership since they, the second that the Glazers got there. And they, they've they been a mess for, for a really, really long time. I don't know if Eric ten Haag can turn it around from the pitch because it seems as though the higher-ups... There were, there were a lot of issues with, uh, what was that guy's name? Their director of football for a long time, who was actually an accountant. He's gone. He's been gone for about two years now. And there's still similar issues happening at United. Just, just problems all around. Uh, right now, the Brighton game is still going on. Uh, no, 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 nothing happening there. And so on we move. However, before moving on, I have to give a shout-out. Brighton have just scored. And I said in last week's episode that Brighton plays some of the best football in Europe in terms of the quality of play. If you ever want the perfect case study, watch this first goal that they scored against United. Just gorgeous football, pass and move, the passing lanes, the intelligence to see when to pass when to move the those sorts of factors is, is just gorgeous stuff and contrast that with united who they don't have a singular game plan they just try and get the ball to their best players in a decent position and hope that they can do something that to me is the real difference between a united team right now who play just awful football who have great footballers and a Brighton team who create great footballers not necessarily superstars when they sign them but they have a very well-defined system which is just gorgeous to watch um one of the most exciting teams to watch Uh, if i can catch a brighton game or at least a little of half half a half just something they they play just beautiful football week in week out uh On to my beloved, beloved Liverpool Football Club, who are absolutely rolling. I did say, I preface this episode by saying that in the beginning, um, that a few minutes ago we did beat Wolves. I did not catch that game. Unfortunately, I did catch a few highlights, so I'll touch on those, but I caught the Aston Villa game from last week. Our most complete performance so far this season. Uh, We, so Baslai my goodness mark my words and i'm sure i've said this about three or four weeks in a row the guy's going to be a superstar he's going to be probably our best central midfielder in a very very long time in terms of his all-round game he offers what i feel was missing from a genie Weinholden. he offers what i feel is missing from a Thiago alcantara he offers what i feel was missing He's not a Fabinho, but missing from a Henderson, whereby he sews it all together. His physical capabilities, his tactical knowledge, his intensity, his technique, his goal-scoring ability, his assisting ability. The guy's just fantastic. He scores an absolute piece to open the scoring against a much highly rated Unai Emery, Mr. Good Evening, Aston Villa team in the third minute, and from there we were kind of in cruise control. They did have a few moments to scare us, but overall, really, really good win. Um, we did have that Maddie Cash own goal in the second half, as well as a Muhammad Salah finish uh, towards the end at the cop end. Uh, not towards the end, but uh, in the second half from a Darwin Nunez header. And so Salah, absolute beast, Liverpool completely rolling. We roll into the international break and then we come back. First game, early kickoff. Uh, A lot of guys only got back recently. A lot of the South American players, Alexis McAllister, um, coming in from Argentina, having to play at Las Paz uh, over there in Paraguay, I believe, at Altitude. He flies back not 40, not 48 hours later and he's playing in the early kickoff at Molyneux against Wolves as a number six. Question marks, though. Um, question marks in terms of Endo. Endo has not started the past two games. He played, obviously, against uh, in our third game, one of these games. Um, but he did start in one of the games. But in this game, he did not. Uh, and he didn't start against Aston Villa either. So Klopp, I think he's going to take a couple weeks. He'll probably start in midweek uh, in the Europa League. European campaigns do get started this week. So we're back at full flights games Monday, uh, not Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so we're in full flights, games every two days for the top teams, every three days for the top teams. So he should get game time there. Curtis Jones started at as well as McAllister. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time for Endo. It's going to take a little bit of time for Gravenberge as well um, to start getting games. Uh, they will probably start in Europa League. Klopp will likely start the uh, these players that he wants to embed into the system a little bit slower. Um we saw that with Fabinho. We actually saw that with most players up until recently. Luis Diaz being the big uh, exception. He came straight into the team after January. Cody Gakpo similarly. Uh, but Cody Gakpo was more of a, we, we didn't have any, a, a lot of players were injured at the time. So he kind of had to start. And obviously it was a bit rough. He didn't have great games in the beginning. And then he started to get into the system a little bit more, getting used to the system and, is starting to pay dividends he did open the scoring for us uh Pedro Neto um had a great game apparently he had two really really good moments whereby Cunha if Cunha scores that second goal we're in a bit we're in shit uh but uh we did go into the break one nil down John Matip didn't necessarily cover himself in glory for the first goal uh, which Huang scored, um, and Wolves apparently uh, they they really they spend most of their energy in the first half. As you kind of see this, the, a lot of these teams they match the intensity of these uh, larger teams. But if you don't have the ball a lot, you're running a whole lot and you can't run like that with that level of intensity for 90 minutes. It it just doesn't happen. And so that's how you see these big, big teams keep the same intensity throughout a game or a season is that they have the ball a lot of the time and you don't have to do as much mental work and running and concentration when you have the ball all the time. And that's what you see with Manchester City and Liverpool and Arsenal and so on and so forth, whereby they can keep this intensity because they can rest while they have the ball. Um, Wolves suffered from that, apparently, and we mounted a great comeback. quanta uh, I believe his name, his first name is Jarrell quanta centre-back, uh, made his start. I believe it's his first start for Liverpool um, because Virgil van Dijk still uh, suspended and... Gomez had to play right back because Trent is injured he had that injury from the Aston Villa game however uh, Liverpool being Liverpool as kind of showing in the Newcastle game especially in the Newcastle game that that mentality that we can fight back that we will overcome whatever obstacles that we have in front of us that is returning, if not, it has returned. And bada bing, bada boom, Cody Gakpo um, pops up with a nice little finish towards the back post um, from across from Salah. I'm pretty sure that was probably a shot, but uh, Salah with the assist there. Salah, he, he scored or assist in something like 10 or 11 games in a row. So he's he has goal contributions all the time all the time um so many games in a row He he's such a key player and even if he isn't scoring week in week out he's assisting and he had two assists it could have been three assists he could have had a hat trick of assists but i digress uh and so we equalize through cody Gakpo. he gets taken off um and then luis diaz and darwin nunez come on who they didn't start, they probably would have started if it wasn't for the international break because Jota and Cody Gakpo haven't been in the greatest form recently. However, uh, we do eventually get the go-ahead goal, the uh, goal and assisted by none other than Mohamed Salah. Just playing from the right there, it's almost like he's a creative force. And it's kind of what... Uh, I believe Klopp was trying uh, last season. Was it last season or the season before when Salah was hugging the touchline where he can play as a wide playmaker and really just create space for everyone else to do whatever damage that they need to do because we have so many goals in the team at this moment in time. It's fantastic. Robertson finds himself driving forward after a ball is cleared from the goalkeeper. He continues his run. Salah plays a nice little one-two, gorgeous little outside of the foot uh, pass into him. And Robertson just opens up his hips and boom, uh, looking like a seasoned uh, expert number nine. uh, 2-1 to Liverpool. Fantastic stuff. And then not too long after that, in the 90th minute, a little bit of icing on the cake. Salah plays a ball through to... uh, Harvey Elliott, who I rate really highly, and I think he'll probably get a lot of minutes in the Europa League as well with the guys like Endo and Graham and Birch and uh, probably Kwanzaa, Chimikas, so a lot of these guys who can get a lot of minutes in their legs in the Europa League. He comes along, he hits he hits it from the edge of the box. It it did eventually go down as an on goal because the shot wasn't on target which is unfortunate for him because he would have opened his scoring account for the season as well as for Salah because that would have been a hat trick of assists but I don't give a fuck uh 1-0 down at halftime we win the game 3-1 that's four wins in a row with 16 Premier League games unbeaten (laughs) longest unbeaten streak in the Premier League by a country mile. We're looking really good. Uh I like the look of this team. I like, I mean, so so, so far for me is the standout. Um I'm looking forward to seeing Gravit birch I hope we see him in action on Thursday in midweek. Uh and we just need to keep on rolling. I do think that we are a sneaky sneaky uh I wouldn't say favorite or anything like that, but we're a very, very sneaky contender for the title this season. Dark horses, everyone has written us off after our disastrous season from last year. Darwin Nunez is going to be a beast. He's going to score a lot of goals. Same with uh Luis Diaz, who's probably entering his prime right now. He's he looks really sharp. I said it in the first from the first game onwards, he's looked extremely sharp this season. If we can stay healthy my goodness gracious me, we're going to be an absolute force. I think the only thing that will probably stop us is the number six position. However, I do think that we are going to play a lot more 4-2-3-1. So we're going to have a double pivot. And we've seen guys like McAllister, guys like Gravenberg, guys like Endo. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sobersly could play there as well if need be. Thiago Alcantara has played there. Uh, Curtis Jones can probably play in the double pivot, so we have a lot of players who have played in a double pivot before. Tiago Alcantara won the treble with Bayern, playing as a, in a double pivot. So I think that's pro- we're going to see that tactic a lot more. And playing with a ten, so Sabres like can go play as a ten. Uh, Harvey Elliott can play up there. Uh, we do have options in that in in that. R- role in that system. Cody Gakro can play as a 10 as well. So we've got a lot of tactical flexibility, which I think is going to be one of our more attractive qualities this season. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to seeing how, how we rotate the team, um, how, how much, uh how much resources, how many resources klopp gives how much weight how much importance he gives to the europa league because that's a competition i'd like for us to win our group doesn't look super threatening so there's going to be a lot of experimentation i believe expect quanta to get more minutes more starts there especially if we can qualify early get a couple of early wins um hopefully starting from from thursday uh yeah I'm, I'm quite excited and i don't believe there's a huge expectation as long as we get top four it'll be seen as a decent season and i think we should really be going for a trophy this season as well as top four so that kind of wraps that up i will be doing a wrap up on on the milan derby is coming up in a couple hours so i'll be looking forward to that hopefully brighton uh, who are still 1-0 up against united right now will continue this uh, if they can win at Old Trafford two seasons in a row that's excellent uh and yeah ladies and gentlemen days and them that wraps up my episode for today i hope you have a magnificent day whenever this podcast reaches your ears and take care